1: Offer ends on the go-live date. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER.
2: Hi, folks. Welcome to another episode of Film Study. This is Ken McCusick. Continuing on our journey of the last 25 years with a number of individual Ravens memories from assorted folks who, uh, who have chosen to do an episode here. Uh, tonight, joining me, Brad McGowan. Brad, how are you doing? I'm doing great, Ken. How are you? No complaints here. And, uh, you know, after that uh, nice Jets win over the Bengals yesterday, and that's all we'll time it up. So we're on Monday 11 1, we're recording this. Uh, all kinds of good Ravens thoughts. <coughs> Indeed, couldn't agree more. All right. So tonight we're talking a historical topic, and in this case, we want to go back to the very first Ravens draft pick of all time and talk about how the Ravens ended up selecting Jonathan Ogden with the fourth overall pick. So uh, let's talk about it a little bit, Brad.
3: Yeah. So, uh, you know, when you emailed me asking if I was interested in doing one of these topics, I thought it would be cool to talk about a time when the Ravens had a major decision point and they could have gone one of two ways. And just looking back on how they got to that, uh, that point, and if you, know, you think about major fork in the road moments for the Ravens historically, the 96 draft, the first draft with Ozzie at the helm, the first draft with the team back in Baltimore, having the fourth pick, that was a pretty big one. Huge, huge selection. In fact, a lot of their draft capital obviously
2: tied up in that fourth pick, despite they also had the, the pick at number twenty six coming a little later in that first round. They didn't have a bunch of picks after that. Uh, they made a trade and they made another trade and uh, really only, I think they had four picks that year or maybe five in ninety six. I'd have to go back and, and actually look. But it's not a lot.
3: And uh, and the the big one of course was
2: was at number four taking Ogden.
3: Yeah, and I was doing a little bit of research leading up to this because you know back in this uh, when when they were a new franchise, I was I was pretty young. I wasn't really paying attention to the top of the draft and the scouting and the, the lead up as I would do, you know, nowadays. But um, I do remember specifically where I was when I watched the 1996 Fiesta Bowl and saw the Nebraska Cornhuskers just running wild all over the Florida Gators. It was one of the most lopsided games I had ever seen. And Nebraska put together back-to-back undefeated seasons, national titles, Lawrence Phillips was their star back and you know, and kind of doing some of the research, thinking about where the where the Ravens, formerly the Browns, were in the season preceding this '96 draft. You know, I was—they had a pretty dearth of talent at the running back spot. Uh, Leroy Horde was their top back. Ernest Biner was the number two back, and then they had a couple guys on the roster: Roster Lorenzo White and Ernest Hunter, rounding out the group. They combined for three rushing touchdowns that season. Mm-hmm. So not a murderer's row, if you will, in the backfield. Now, older
2: backfield, too, particularly with Byner on a weighted basis, having so many of the carries. Ernest Hunter had one catch in his career as a Raven, happened to be in that first game, a 23-yard catch to help on the game-winning drive. But I wrote an article a few years ago about, you know, some of the great unknown players who had just one or two catches for the Ravens, and, and he was one of them.
3: Yeah, so, you know, at this time... In the league history, it was pretty common for running backs to get drafted highly. Kajana um, Carter had been the first overall pick the year prior, uh, although you know his career didn't wind up being what any – anyone would have predicted, but it was very common for running backs to go pretty high. And if you look at the Ravens' depth at offensive tackle, they were actually pretty set at offensive tackle. Tony Jones was the starting left tackle. Uh, he had started the, basically the entire season. He was a, a solid veteran. Uh, Orlando Brown Sr. was the right tackle um, at that time as well. And, and, and frankly, going into the inaugural Raven season, both of those guys bookended the line for and they, pretty much the entirety of the season. So they, they were pretty deep at offensive tackle.
2: Yeah, they, they waited, uh, waited a year for, for Ogden to mature into that left tackle role in theory. I mean, they, they left him at uh, left guard in that first year. But uh, it wasn't a secret to Jones what was happening. And he, he knew all along he was about to be replaced. They didn't draft him, you know, fourth overall to,
3: to leave him at guard. Yeah. Yeah. And so, I, I, you know, one of the things, given uh, your penchant for offensive line play that I wanted to ask you to comment on, um, just the fact that they did select uh, select Ogden, and they could plug him in at left tackle for the foreseeable future, and build the line around that. You know, given that offensive line play is a lot about um, the interplay between five guys on the field at once working together, but how much of an impact, in your opinion, does it make to have you know one, you know, one, at least one of those? Uh, One of those linemen be such a high quality and knowing that you can lock that in and then make adjustments around the fact that he's going to be, you know, so solid in that role. I I don't think there's
2: any doubt that Jonathan Ogden is a foundational player and it really wouldn't have mattered who you put next to him. You'd have still gotten a high quality of play. Yeah. He he, uh, had... Decent guards for most of his career next to him. A lot of them was Mula Talo, who played next to him during his career. Uh, he had other guys in the early years who weren't bad. Uh, he didn't really get Marshall Yanda uh, in, in 2007. Uh, who was the guy that was there? Jason Brown was actually playing next to him in Jason mm-hmm. Brown's first or second year coming off the uh, uh, out of the draft. So he got a little bit of other players, but a lot of it was Mule. And I honestly think it wouldn't have mattered. Ogden was incredibly great and uh, you could have you could have put any other four linemen next to him and it
3: wouldn't have been that much of a difference. Yeah, I mean it was you know, hindsight being twenty twenty, it was such a, a wonderful pick, but you know, in and, and, and some of the other research that I did, I think it's important to point out this was Ozzy's first draft. And, mm-hmm. you know, he'd known Modell for quite a while, played with the Browns as a player, Hall of Fame career, got his start in the front office under Modell. And I was reading some of the comments that he, uh, you know, ESPN did an oral history about the first two Ravens draft picks this year a couple years ago. And I was reading through the oral history. And uh, there was an interesting comment from Newsom that when. Um, with the third pick, the Arizona Cardinals were on the clock, and they were. Uh, it sounded like they were trying to play games with Baltimore, uh, you know, thinking Baltimore wanted Phillips, you know, maybe trying to get them to think they were going to take him and, and want to trade up. Um, and they held Pat. They ended up. The Cardinals drafted Simeon Rice, uh, much to a lot of folks' surprise, and so um, Ogden was still on the board and. You know, they had a come-to-Jesus moment in that moment. And, and I think, you know, they, in the report, they said Modell really did want Phillips, even at that point. And they had prepped for this. And they knew that Ogden was the top guy on the board. But Phillips was such an attractive, explosive pick. And it took a lot of guts for Ozzie to say, we need to stick to our board. And right. that set a precedent that we've, you know, as Ravens fans, we talk about Ozzy's drafting prowess, and now DaCosta's drafting prowess, and them sticking to the board, and that foundation was laid with that very first pick.
2: Yeah, foundation for the offensive line, foundation for who has the last word on draft picks. I would agree on both those. Uh, you know, it, it, interesting, uh, interesting draft because Phillips was the sexier pick, uh, being a skill position offensive player, mm-hmm. and I, you know, if you just just look at Twitter on draft day and you will be incredibly annoyed by the amount of people who want skilled position offensive players with pretty much every pick even PFF I mean you go to them and then they're like oh you didn't draft a quarterback or a wide receiver or a cornerback why are you wasting the pick? Hmm. You've got a good pick why are you wasting it? So uh, you know they overweight I think in a sense those positions obviously being the being the case but uh, uh, yeah it was not a sexy pick and and, uh, it was a just a
3: foundational pick yeah. And it turned out tremendous. I, I mean, he, th- that first draft, I mean, thousands and hundreds and tons of words have been written about how well the Ravens did in that draft. And But, you know, they did have, them have to make some tough choices along the way. They had to trust their board. They had to stick to their guts. They had to trust, you know, Ozzie in his first draft making the pick. I mean, looking back, it was, a, a, you know, a lot of risk there. And they, states true and we're all the greater for it. The really
2: Ravens teams had a lot of top picks year after year and the Ravens still their early history is amazing in terms of first-round draft picks. And we're just going to go over it one more time because a lot of people have forgotten it or never knew it, maybe, even of the of the younger people here. But in the first round in 1996, they had one of the greatest rounds of all time, of course, with Ogden and Lewis both selected. The next year, they drafted Peter Bullwear number four. Now, first of all, number four, they got consecutive fourth thre- round, number four overall draft picks. The Ravens have never drafted as high since. The, the, the earliest they've ever drafted otherwise is Jamal Lewis at five and Ronnie Stanley at six. So it took them a long time before they ever got a you know draft picks that high. Then they, they drafted Dwayne Starks at number ten and Chris McAllister at number ten the year after. Obviously, two cornerbacks uh, who helped them win the Super Bowl. Starks, a, a great one-term player, we'll call it for the Ravens, who, who had a terrific four years in Baltimore. Uh, they allowed him to walk as part of the purge after the 0-1 season, but uh, but he was a terrific player here. McAllister, one of the guys they kept. And obviously had a terrific career in Baltimore. Uh, You know, even years after that, they took Jamal Lewis with their first pick. Then they missed on Travis Taylor, but they they took Todd Heap with the with the thirty first pick. Great pick. Picked Ed Reed at number twenty four. Picked Terrell Suggs at number ten. Kyle Buller at number nineteen. We don't have to talk too much about that. But but the early Aussie picks were an amazing set. Of selections, and I don't know how, after a after a string like that, that Modell would ever be in a position to question him again.
3: Absolutely, and uh, I had actually pulled up that 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 very same list of Ozzy's number one picks just uh, in prep for this, and was looking through it right before you and I hopped on, and, and really that first, all the way up through Suggs. Mm-hmm. Those picks are incredible, save for the Travis Taylor pick. But again, the Travis Taylor pick, that was the second pick they had in the first round that year because they took Jamal Lewis at five and Travis Taylor at 10. And they, that was the year they go on to win the Super Bowl uh, with Jamal Lewis famously as a rookie being you know almost nearly all of the offense for much of that season.
2: Yeah, I mean, along with with Ogden, <laughs> fair.
3: fair enough. You know, yeah,
2: if if you want to see the greatest Jonathan Ogden game ever, and, and there's a lot of good ones. He's a very consistent offensive lineman. But go watch the the twenty seven to nothing win over Dallas in two thousand. Sometimes it's out there on YouTube. If it's not, it's maybe available out there on eBay or whatever kind of places you want to try and uh, try and pick up a copy or a friend has one maybe, but. That is the single greatest game I've ever seen an offensive lineman play. Just unbelievably consistently caving in that uh, offensive left side or the, the defensive right side of, of the line, play after play after play. Uh, the, the Cowboys were very battered coming into that game, and Mulatalo and Ogden together battered them a lot more. It's kind of a fun game to watch because John Madden went to high school with Edwin Militalo. And he's, you know, John Madden was the original telestrator in terms of of, uh, doing that. And he telestrated the left side of the offensive line of the Ravens seemingly all all afternoon, late afternoon, early evening. It was a four o'clock game. And uh, it, it was a, it was very fun to watch him do that. Anyway, it's uh, I, if I, it's always the quintessential Ogden game, I think if you go back and you really want to see an offensive lineman just dominating his opponent, play after play.
3: Yeah, and that's you know that's a good reminder. I mean, we we all know Ogden's greatness, and I think you know maybe for some of the listeners that aren't as storied in Ravens lore. Uh, you know, even myself, I, I, I was a fan from day one, but um, in my early teenage years when the Ravens first came to town. And so, a lot of my prevailing memories of Ogden are of when he gets up to be a bit older in age and um, just thinking about how much trouble specifically Dwight Freeney gave him later in his career. Like that, Freeney was his kryptonite. But outside of that, he was, you know, such a solid player year in and year out, game in and game out. And you could always trust. The left side would be, you know, would would be locked down when he was over there. And, you know, compare that in stark contrast to the state the Ravens are in right now, where, man, God, wouldn't they give for Jonathan Ogden to walk through those doors? Yeah. Maybe maybe even at his age, he'd want to suit up. uh, (laughs) They'd frankly like Jared Gaither, 2008
2: or 2009. Uh, he did uh, yeah. a good job too, in in terms of of doing it. But Ogden, uh, you know, he, he would he, he. It's not like he never gave up any sacks, and it's not like in scoring offensive line play you don't see lots of variation in week to week play. Ogden got beat his is you know his share as well. But when he beat an opponent, he beat him really badly, and had, had used his length very well. Did a lot of things well as an offensive lineman that that really made him tough to beat on a percentage basis Mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, fully deserving of his, of his hall of fame credentials as it, uh, as it goes.
3: Absolutely. You know, the last thing I would say, Ken, uh, in doing some of the prep researching the old draft reports and the scouting reports from this 96 draft, you know, one of the other things that struck me just in, in, in contrast to Ogden's career was, really how tragic Phillips' career turned out. I mean, he was he was released by the Rams in the middle of his second season due to, you know, substance abuse and just uh, a plethora of issues. And, you know, I, I, most people are aware he ended up in, in prison uh, and then tragically took his life uh, over the last, I think, 10 years or so, fairly recent. And just reading some of the old stories about him is... Uh, you know really unfortunate it came came from really rough circumstances and had a rough background and you know had a lot of talent but the teams were never really able to tap into it and you know as grateful as I am as a Ravens fan specifically that the Ravens decided to go with Ogden and that played out so well from a football standpoint uh, it's also you know a reminder that it's not always just about the talent on the field there's a lot of other things that go into what makes these players successful, these teams successful, and something we touched on in the the last short that I did with you, talking about the hiring of Jarn Hallral, is just the organization that the Ravens built um, and the leadership that they established. And you know, they haven't always made the right choices, but from a football standpoint, they've made a lot of great choices over the years, and they've built a very consistent culture and environment and You know, Ogden was the first brick in the foundation, if you will, making that pick and watching that play out. And as a fan, I'm grateful and excited for EDC to build on that legacy.
2: Yeah, me, me too. Uh, one of the things in watching the Ravens draft all these years, I had someone trying to tell me recently on Twitter that it's, it's just about the total number of, of lottery tickets, and that's what EDC understands. And I say, no, that's not exactly it. He, he gets more lottery tickets and each of them with an advantage. And, you know, if one thing I've often, you know, said is, you know, you have a you the blackjack table, you have a really big hand and you're doubling it down and you, you just, you just wish you didn't have to make the bet because you're all making, you're all tossing it out there on one shot, as opposed to, I'd make this bet a thousand times, no doubt about it, but I'm really scared to make it once. Right. And, you know, a lot of it, the, uh, the notion of trading down in the draft that EDC, um, you know, has done, uh, has really done a good job of separating that draft capital into individual wagers that he that he can win and, and each with an advantage so uh, you know the ravens have had success all the way through the draft mid uh, you know early to late in terms of of who they draft and ogden was a very high risk it's literally the biggest individual bet on a draft pick the ravens have ever made is their very first and it was a win. And that that's uh you know really nice. The next year Peter Bower, similar wager, but but somehow not quite as big, even though they didn't have another pick in round one, just because he'd already had a big win and he, his job was no longer in any danger having Ogden and Lewis from the and, and the other Lewis from that first draft. Yeah, absolutely. That was a good one really enjoy talking about this with you Brad and and, uh, appreciate you taking the time to research the topic and and, you know go back and look at some of the interactions between Modell and Newsom and
3: whatnot Uh, tell folks where they can talk football with you sure you can find me on Twitter at mcbradley.com anytime I'm on I always share that I don't tweet a whole lot unless I'm looking up or sending in a question for the film study podcast so appreciate you taking those but I'm happy to engage if folks want to tag me on anything Ravens related
2: all right, terrific. And if you want to do a 25 years pod with me, send me a DM on Twitter with what you had in mind. Topic like this is perfect. It's it's specific. It's something we can discuss in some depth. Uh, talk about the what ifs about it. This is the this is just the perfect topic. And appreciate you uh, uh, bringing it out, Brad. And-
0: Thank <laughs> you.